Welcome to the Happy Homeschool, where we talk about creative homeschool inspiration rooted in relationships for the nonconformist, dedicated parent. I'm Laura Blodgett. And my goal at the Happy Homeschool is to inspire and equip you to create a learning environment that makes home everyone's favorite place. You can always read more at thehappyhomeschool.com. I have to wait for my light bulb moment and they have to wait for their light bulb moment because again, if they ever make it to trig, I don't care, you know, unless they're going to really go into some kind of STEM field, but there's no rushing the light bulb moment. That is a snippet of today's interview. I could have chosen a lot of titles, but I decided to go with light bulb moments and developing healthy skepticism in your children. So today I have with me Rebecca, who goes by the uh, name Dissident Mama also, and you have a website, correct, that you have? Yes, dissidentmama.net. Okay, and I will link to that in the transcripts when I get those worked out. And what do you write about there? Oh, current events, politics, faith, personal musings, all, all sorts of things. I would okay. say mostly current topics, but with, you know, a political faith flair. Okay. How long have you been doing that? Uh, it launched in December 2016. Oh, so for a few years now. Mm -hmm. And then you also do a podcast associated with that? Yes. Um, the quarantine, as we call it in my family, uh, I started a vegetable garden and a podcast. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. what you call the podcast. You call it the quarantine? No. Um, oh. That's just what we call it, the quarantine. We call it the quarantine. Um, no, it's just the Dissident Mama podcast, but it was one of those things that I wanted to do for a while. And um, we had some free time on our hands since everything just stopped existing. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, those were two pluses for the uh, the early COVID mania. I got a vegetable garden and um, a podcast out of it. <laughs> All right, then. So let's start with you telling us a little bit about yourself, like where you live, how many kids you have. Okay. Um, from Virginia originally, but I've uh, lived in North Carolina since uh, 2000. Uh, went to school in Wisconsin, uh, had lived in Virginia most of my life, uh, but I married a Texas boy who was going to school in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I live, uh, yeah, I won't give you the exact details, but North Carolina <laughs> has been my home for, gosh, almost 20 years now. Oh, wow. Um, I have three kids. Uh, the oldest is 13, and then I have identical twins who will be 12 next month. All right. I have identical twin granddaughters who are almost five, and that's its own unique brand of fun. It's pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so when did you decide to teach your own kids? Well, this is kind of weird that uh, I decided well before I had children. Um, oh. I was married for, let's see, seven years before I had children. And um, that's a whole podcast into itself. But uh, okay. my husband and I were uh, feeling that even back then, my first was born in 06, no, 07, right? Yeah, 07. Um, so this was probably 05 or 06. Uh, we were thinking, wow, if we're going to have kids, we really want to homeschool. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't quite as uh, 
red-pilled as I am today, as a matter of fact. But even back then, I thought uh, this is history is just not being taught in schools. The history that I I know is true. The things that are being emphasized back then, I did not like. So even back then, my husband and I were like, well, if we're going to have them, we're going to have two really close together. <laughs> and, you know, God's, God has a sense of humor. He gave me three really close together. Oh. Um, and as a 36-year-old person, having three kids in diapers, that was pretty wild. But yeah. um, so we just kind of decided, like, historically, you know, like, history-wise, we wanted to do it. And then, oh, my gosh, a couple years later, we became Christians. So that was, like, just double downing. Like, well, that's uh. just another great reason to homeschool. But we were very um, on the homeschool ba bandwagon quite a few years before we even produced children. So, um, yeah, it was How had you... It's Go not ahead. usually on most people's radar when they don't have kids or aren't making those decisions. So how did it get to be on your radar? Do you know? I guess, uh, you know, I think I knew one or two people who had done it but had older children, um, you know, that were like in their late teens or like college age. And, you know, I guess just being in tune to the news, I've always been kind of a political junkie. So I guess I just, you know, how... When you did it, it wasn't a thing, but now right. it's a thing. So I was somewhere in between it being a thing and not a thing. <laughs> right. So you did not closely know any other people who taught their own children. Really, it was a co-worker of my husband's who we would consider a friend um, back then. He was the only person he had. I think he had four or five kids. They were classically trained violinists, you know, really smart people, super advanced. I think that was probably it. If I'm forgetting somebody, I'm sorry, but I think that was it. Really the only person I knew like in real life that had done it and pulled it off and the world hadn't come to an end. Right, right. So what did your families think about that then? Uh, my parents were actually pretty uh, supportive from the get-go. They didn't really know what it all would entail, but they just thought, oh, okay, that sounds great. My mother-in-law, God bless her, she's the biggest fan of it now. She wasn't opposed to it, but she said, just check out your options, honey. <laughs> you know, you've got three kids, you're tired. You ain't looking so hot these days, sweetie. No, she didn't oh. really say that, but you know, <laughs> I was a frazzled mom, you know, burning the candle at both ends like we all do. And she just said, just make sure. And then um, I did some kind of research on, like I visited a few magnet schools, a few charter schools, and they were okay. There was like a, a Spanish immersion school. I was thinking like, if it doesn't pan out, that's where I'll send my kids. But I just thought that, you know, after schooling and supplementing and perhaps unteaching things that I thought was incorrect or exactly. teaching things that were not being covered, you know, I would assume if they're going to a school, I would be working. I'm like, well, that sounds way more exhausting so ah. we just we just dove into the deep end good so you none of your boys have been in an institutional school ever then correct and do you plan on teaching them all the way through high school yes um or them teaching themselves you know how it goes as they're maturing they're getting more independence uh sometimes i can sleep in late and they're handling things on their own sometimes i gotta crack the whip a little bit, but uh, yeah, just, you know, 
it's day by day, you know, uh, you have these plans and nothing ever plans out exactly the way you want, but God always opens doors. So, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows what the world will be like when they're quote in high school. So yes, that is the plan. Um, yeah, for now. Yeah. I know as far as planning ahead after being in charge of my own children's education and, you know, grasping the idea of mastery versus just pushing them through a subject on a timeline, mm-hmm. I learned pretty quickly that it's usually counterproductive to try to plan out more than a week or two because you don't know where you'll be with what needs to be addressed. Yeah, I agree. That would probably be one of the biggest lessons I've learned that planning is wonderful. Time boxing and calendars and schedules, those are all wonderful things that, um, my husband always tells me I need to time box more. Oh, I'm going to sit down for a half an hour, honey. And three days later, I'm still working on the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but you got to kind of roll with the punches. And that took me a long time to get. I'm kind of kind of type A, pretty organized, but also kind of flighty at the same time. So I'm just always a big hot mess. Um, <laughs> but that took me years to really just... I wasn't really into comparing myself to other people and other kids because, you know, I wanted to do things a little different and figure it out as I went. But breaking out of that whole brick and mortar mindset that these check marks, I'm a list person. So I had right. to really break away from the check marks. And if it takes us three years to do something that other people pull off in 180 days, whatever, who cares? Right. Yeah, it it can be quite a journey coming to realize how important and useful that is for your children. Yes. Yes. I will say one of my biggest beefs with myself is uh, I always tell new homeschoolers, if you don't like a curriculum, if you don't like what you're doing, walk away. But I'm one of those people, I'm like, if I've bought a book, we are finishing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a sickness of mine. I have to just accept that that's the way I am. But other than that, you know, and then when we're done with the book, you know, we don't go on to the second volume or whatever. But um, yeah, uh, it's, it's fine to kind of switch gears, you know, midstream or whatever. And I've learned to embrace that as well. Yeah, I, we all come at this with our own strengths and weaknesses. And I don't think anybody's particular strengths are superior or anybody's particular weaknesses are inferior as long as we're all willing to learn and deal with the problem solving and we love our kids. Yeah, exactly. And I would say um, math, I was one of those kids that wasn't a math person. I got left behind in seventh grade and struggled and struggled and struggled. You know, uh, I think I took algebra one twice. Lord have mercy. When I got to college, uh, I only had to take college algebra, whatever the heck that is, to get my um, (laughs) Bachelor of Arts. They were like, do you want a BS that requires a bunch of math or a BA? I'm like, whatever requires less math. But Uh it's it's that old cliche with homeschooling that I really am, um, you know, using this opportunity to relearn or learn for the first time things that, you know, I didn't get the first time around. And sometimes when I'm sitting there with those in those math lessons with my kids, you know, I'll say, okay, what's happening? And I have to wait for my light bulb moment and they have to wait for their light bulb moment. Because again, if they ever make it to trig, I don't care, you know, unless they're going to really go into some kind of STEM field, but there's no rushing the light bulb moment. And um, I need that for myself too. And it's really funny that we're at a place where my kids are teaching me sometimes. 
It's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I think that happens to almost everybody that I've ever talked to anyway, because each person is so unique what they get to be good at once they reach young adulthood, which I kind of count anywhere after age 13, they start branching out and specializing in ways that are going to be different from anybody else. And I definitely have learned from my kids. Yeah, in fact, absolutely. they still help me with all kinds of things as adults. It's just a wonderful relationship of working with them on many different levels that I couldn't have predicted from, and I think directly stems from the homeschool experience. Yeah, it really is a beautiful thing the way it unfolds. And I'm still at the point where I have to tell my kids sometimes, I'm still smarter than you, but eventually <laughs> I'm going to have to stop saying that. But we're not there yet. I don't think I ever said that. I think I was too afraid that it would be exposed as false. I was tempted. Believe me, I was tempted because I, I think have some similarities to you, kind of a type A, you know, always striving for the grades and afraid of getting answers wrong because that's kind of what the institutionalized school system uh, trains you up in. You either um, get the answers right or you you kind of give up because you can't get the answers right. And I remember once I was um, by myself visiting some relatives that I didn't know very well because I think my family had moved away from where I started college. And they asked me, they invited me over for my birthday and they asked me what kind of cake it was. And even at that point, I hadn't gotten over that. And I was so afraid that I would get it wrong. It really was an exercise in deep breathing. They're like, just guess. I'm like, banana. And it, and it was. <laughs> but it's amazing how ingrained that idea of not getting the answer wrong and how that inhibits engaging with the world. Yeah, it's weird too, because my kids have never been in a, you know, the brick and mortar, you know, institutional education setting, they're still very competitive. Mm -hmm. And that's a wonderful thing. But I also have to like, make them lighten up sometimes. And I guess it's a brother thing, because they're so close in age, there's just 16 months between the eldest and the twins. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's all sorts of rivalry, they're best friends, and then, you know, mortal enemies the next moment. But, um, you know, the, I'm trying to get them to do like, art because I'm not very artistic and I'm like yeah we're gonna learn how to draw animals or whatever we're working on birds okay and they just beat up on themselves so bad over not being able to draw a, a bird and I'm like this is in your book that no one will ever see except for you you don't have to stress out that much about your bird and his big eyes or whatever it is. right it's funny so some of that's natural and good but it's it's lovely that you know if they want to be judged on it, great. We'll, we'll, we'll do something. We'll do some kind of competitive setting. But um, th they really put that on themselves, too. So it's, mm. it would be interesting to see what they would be like, almost like an experiment. What if they did go to the local school down the road? What would happen? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And there's obviously nothing wrong with striving for excellence. But if you don't ask questions if you're not open to the fact that you might be wrong you won't learn on the same level absolutely inquiry and my kids like to ask questions and that sometimes drives me insane but it's a good thing yeah so did you have any particular concerns when you started teaching your kids uh, i guess maybe just the 
you know, normal concerns. Will I be doing enough? Not really the friends thing because I don't know. I just figured they'll make friends in the neighborhood. They'll make friends at church, whatever that socialization, that wasn't really a thing. Just maybe, Oh, well, I forget something. Will something fall through the crack? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it was probably just generalized fears, you know, oh, they're gonna, you know, I'm not gonna teach them math right and they'll be ax murderers, you know, just things like that <laughs> to keep you up at night. <laughs> yeah, I think um, the way you put that generalized fears is a very important thing to evaluate because a lot of times it's by not pinning down exactly what we're concerned about, what we might do about it. Is it a real concern? And just having vague concerns is more overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, specific worry, you can kind of work on it, but just generalized fears, you know, what will they grow up to be? Stuff like that, you know, that you can't control. Right. But yeah, I can't think of anything really specific other than, am I doing things right? Am I doing enough? <laughs> uh-huh. So how did you, in the beginning in particular, how did you deal with those concerns? Uh, I guess uh, at this point, uh, I'd been, I'd been a Christian for six years, so I prayed a lot, you know, uh -huh. just kind of left it all up to God. Um, I tried to step back a lot because, you know, when you're, I call it in the trenches, you know, you're in the trenches with your kids and you feel like, oh my gosh, they have the worst manners on planet earth. Oh my <laughs> gosh, they're doing this horrible and that horrible. But when you step back, you see how far they've come. And I think it just took perspective of going out and have seeing them, you know, engaging with an elderly person or holding a baby or just wow, remembering something that we had learned together and saying it eloquently to somebody when they're, you know, eight years old, it, stepping out of the trenches and just watching it all unfold and it's beautiful. So it's one of those things. Um, I mean, I guess like anything, you know, in your life, you get bogged down in the routine and the, you know, things feel mundane, like marriage, you know, and then you step out and you're like, oh, my marriage is awesome. Same kind uh -huh. of thing. Um, it took me just time after time of seeing them engage or just answering something that, wow, I'd never thought about it that way. Just mm -hmm. real life kind of hit me in the face, I guess. Yeah. The, the theme that kind of comes across to me there is that, again, you were stepping away from vague fears and vague concerns and enjoying perfect moments. Mm -hmm. and and seeing the progress without it being perfect overall in this because you can't make it perfect overall yes and in fact that first family this is a, a pretty typical story i try to tell people when i'm trying to you know be an ambassador for homeschooling and trying to encourage people to do it is that family that i was telling you about with the classically trained violinists and stuff um he said uh you know, if you can do better than 0%, you're already doing better than the public schools. And, you know, you love your kids, so you're totally going to be doing better than 0%. And I still have to think about that sometimes because sometimes you, you're worn down, you're tired, you're exhausted, you feel like you're, you know, just constantly, you know, at odds with your children over whatever, mom, I don't want to do this Latin, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's, way better than 0%. And then that's, it took me a few years to really embrace that and just be like, okay, you know, everything's fine. And we don't have to be at each other's throats or be fighting over this one thing. Um, but really, I mean, 
anything better than 0% is awesome, but because we're with our children who we love, I mean, we're not right. going to put a number value on it, but it's going to be well higher than zero. So, yeah, I think um, even when I was first teaching our kids at home, there were a few people that were ahead of me. Um, and beyond that, or, or ahead of me in the sense that some of those people had actually not started teaching their kids at home, but become aware of it later and had taken their kids out of public or institutional school very late, even as late as like their senior year. And I heard some, so many stories of just the positive effects of that. Yeah. They would, these kids would progress and, um, both spiritually and mentally and academically, just from the release of that strain and that false situation. Yeah, I believe it. And that's really hard for a parent to come at it. They've been doing this thing for so many years. I often think, wow, you know, uh, you meet a person at a homeschool co-op and their kids have been in, you know, the institutional setting forever and they pulled them out in seventh grade. That's super scary. You know, yeah. I started in kindergarten, whatever, you know, right. <laughs> preschool was hanging out with mom and, you know, doing finger paint. So, I mean, I, I feel like I've gotten the best end of the deal, but people do that kind of thing all the time and they just start wherever they want to start and they figure it out as they go. It really is. It's like anything in life, you have friendships, marriage, owning a pet, you know, I mean, you uh -huh. just, you just figure it out. Right. If it's important to you, then you dig in and you do it. I will say one, this is another stress I was thinking about in the beginning. It's a blessing kind of in a curse, you know, the double-edged sword. There's so much available now Yeah. that when I first started, I do remember this being a stress. Well, what kind of math do I use? Oh, what if I use the wrong, whatever, you know, circulatory system workbook, you know, <laughs> and you just pick one. And, and you know how I did it after a I got my uh, feet wet a little bit, whatever's on sale. I would just try that, you know, oh, it gets good reviews. And if it stinks, psh, whatever, you know, you don't mm -hmm. do the next volume or you can stop midstream if you're that kind of person. But it's hard because there's so much available now. I mean, you could just read homeschool curriculum blogs and unschooling and classical and, you know, whatever Charlotte Mason stuff all day long. And you get so freaked out that you never like, dive in. I guess that would also be another thing that would be my advice to new homeschoolers or people thinking about it. Just try something. It's not going to kill you if it's not the greatest thing ever. And what works for one kid may work for another. But that was a stress early on. I mean, isn't that this crazy like story of prosperity? There's so much available, but I can't decide which I want, you know, mm -hmm. that, that was pretty stressful in the beginning. Yep. Yes, overwhelm that way and, and learning how to narrow down your choices and um, evaluate the choices you do make. Yeah, word of mouth, whatever's on sale, what gets good reviews, you know, and then you just go like buying something that's not educational, you know, you just do it and you try it. Yeah. So um, what is some uh, one or a couple of things that you really wish you had known when you started or early on in the process? Hmm. Uh, I guess it would be you can not care so much about grade level. Um, you can pick and choose, even if you're part of a co-op, um, you can pick and choose the things that you really like in that co-op and don't. 
uh, it would be that you have, I mean, you have the power, you have the say-so of what you want your children to learn. And of course, as they're aging and you see their talents, you can kind of define that. Now, I wouldn't say that was um, like a mistake I made in the beginning because you're, you're just really getting to know your kid's educational style. I think that takes a few years, you know, to yeah. really know what your strong points are as an educator, how, how best you interact with kid one and kid two and kid 10 or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it would be that, uh, I mean, it, the world is your oyster. You know, you can do anything as much as you want. You can deep dive on one thing and let these other things simmer over here or, you know, I mean, maybe never get to them. I don't know. Uh, I know unschoolers do that. I'm not an unschooler, but, uh, you know, you can do anything you want. That's the beauty of it. And it's still better than 0%. Right. I think along the same lines, having come from an institutional school myself, which I gather you did, mm -hmm. uh, there is also this mindset that you have to complete your education by this time and then you're done. Mm -hmm. And if you know that's not true, that can release even how you teach your children. You don't have to get it all done. They're going to discover things their whole lives right yeah and i was one of those people that uh you know when i graduated high school i was like well i have to go to college this was you know 1989 the early 90s and yeah i went to community college made okay grades and then i just you know went to this one school for a semester and partied and then i did this other thing over here and i ended up wasting all this money and then when i finally thought to myself well, this is idiotic. I mean, and I was pretty stupid back then, but <laughs> even I realized this is a huge waste of money and time. And then I stepped away. And that's actually when I discovered my love of writing. I was, I was a good, you know, writer in high school, but I never wanted to be a journalist. And it was in that time away where I was like, wow, I want to be a journalist. And then I ended up getting a journalism degree. Um, oh. Once I went back to school after I think I got my bachelor's when I was 27. So I took a lot of time off, but, um, and that was fine. You know, it's the mm -hmm. same kind of thing. Uh, we, we have to put fourth grade science on something, right? You know, people have mm -hmm. to label because it does kind of help you gauge. And especially for newbies, you, you get scared if it doesn't say, oh, this is for fifth graders. But I mean, none of that really matters. My oldest son, he's pretty much the way he was born, you know, like, oh, he knows he should be kind of in eighth grade. But like my twins, they were born at a weird time of year and they were preemies. And then boys always start so late now, you know, they try to push boys to not start in kindergarten until like 20. Um, <laughs> so people are always like, what grade are you? And they're like, they look at me and I'm like, I don't know, seventh, uh, whatever. Right. You know, those, that's such a, I mean, categories are good, but sometimes you just have to say, whatever. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, categories are one of those things that are supposed to be used as tools for us uh, with our wisdom, how we want to apply them. They're not supposed to be masters over us. Right. Yes. And in fact, we do some of the Ron Paul homeschool curriculum. Um, we, you know, it's great because it's a la carte. You can pick what you want. And that's kind of where we're at now. We do a lot from all over and we cherry pick and we do all sorts of different diverse things, eclectic as they call it. Mm -hmm. But um, that's one of the things they say, you know, when you join up, we're, we're, we're saying this is fifth grade grammar, but you know, is it? 
there are plenty <laughs> of adults who haven't read, you know, this book, this Jules Verne book or whatever, you know. Right. You could be 50 and take this class, you know. You, it just helps people, I think, really, because so many of us did go to public schools um, that are teaching our children now. It, it's a guide, like you said, kind of a guidepost, but it is not, you know, a hill to die on. Right, right. Are there any particular um, or unexpected challenges that you faced that you care to share about? Uh, I guess now would be that the, this season of my life now, my homeschooling journey now would be uh, giving the kids the independence they need without um, nagging them. But sometimes, you know, mom kind of cattle prodding them is what it takes to get them to do the independent things they're supposed to do. Right. That's just kind of a constant theme in our house. I mean, that's probably just part of having children sometimes. Um, you know, I want them to be obedient, but I kind of want them to do things because they should be gentlemen. So that that's a struggle for us now. Um, you know, having adolescent boys, you know, they're becoming young men. Um, that would be what, and what was the original question? Just Any particular general? or unexpected challenges? Yeah, unexpected. Um, I guess a challenge for some people, it wasn't really for myself because I'm kind of uh, tight with my money, but uh, it would be, you can spend a lot on educational materials. You can spend a lot on co-ops and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, we were blessed that my husband's been gainfully employed throughout this uh, whole journey, but uh, I think that can be really a scary thing for people too. I don't have the money to homeschool. Well, if you can do better than 0%, you, you can homeschool. Um, and that's what I try to tell people because they think, oh, you know, you, you, you have to have a lot of disposable income or, you know, I can't work. I mean, I know quite a few moms who have part-time jobs, um, you know, one where she is actually the breadwinner and not the husband. You know, I think that's a challenge for a lot of people that, uh, you know, I know this lady over here that lives in this giant house that homeschools. So it must be that I have to live in a giant house to homeschool. I think that would be a struggle for a lot of people. Um, and then early on, again, I, for me personally, it would be uh, just thinking I wasn't doing enough. And <laughs> now, with eight years of homeschooling under my belt, 13 years of raising children, um, you know, what's enough, you know? I mean, right. I think less is more. That's my new motto these days on almost everything. Less is more, slow down, relax, and enjoy it. Again, I think that's because of the type of person you are. So when you reach balance, you move towards that, that side of things. But somebody who maybe is um, on the other end of the spectrum, they might learn the value of a little organization, a little yeah. bit more things. It does. I mean, you've got to have at least a general idea of what you want to do from day to day or week to week. You know, most, you know, curriculums, 180 days, that kind of thing. Do you want to, you know, get it over with fast? Do you want to do lots of supplementary things? You know, do you want to deep dive? And that would be something too early on, I guess for seven, seven years, six years, whatever, a whole long time, we did something called classical conversations. And it's a, it's a great thing. I'm not slamming it at all, but it is um, very rigorous. Mm -hmm. If you make it, 
and that would be my thing. If you want to do CC and kind of pull back, you don't have to do everything that they're just suggesting. They're just suggestions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would try to do it all and do it all. And the joke around the house was, you know, somebody would want to ask a question and deep dive on something. And I'd be like, so we called it like classical, (laughs) no more conversations. (laughs) And I only did that for a while, you know, and, but that's the whole point is to engage with your children and talk. And now we're to the point where, oh my gosh, everybody has such an opinion and this really smart opinion about all these things. And, you know, we just spend a lot of time talking about stuff. And because we're all kind of history buffs, um, you know, there's a lot to talk about history and how it applies to today and just uh, that kind of thing. But uh, yes, you have to be organized, but don't kill yourself. But I can tell people this till I'm blue in the face, but they're probably just going to have to experience it until they go, wow, I can't keep doing this. And then they'll lighten up because that's how I was. I got a lot of the same advice, great advice from good people, but you just kind of have to experience it until you go, oh, okay, I see what they're saying now, three years yeah. later. But, <laughs> but maybe there's a point at which because you've heard some things, you give yourself more leeway to, yes. to respond and go, well, wait, maybe I don't have to do it quite like this. And trusting yourself as an educator, you know, mm-hmm. hey, wow, I'm pretty good at this and it's okay. And now, hey, I'm kind of in charge. I think that takes a while, you know, for people to build up confidence and that's fine too. It's like starting a new job. You know, you're the new kid on the block. And after a few years, you're like, okay, I got this now. Right. Just building confidence. So we talked about challenges. What about particular enjoyable results? Yeah, it would be the conversations and um, having uh, experiencing when my kids have the light bulb moment, which is awesome, you know, oh, mom, I can't do this. Oh, I'll never do this. You know, I always say to my kids, remember when you said that about reading? Remember when you said that about cursive? You know, remember when you said this about 800,000 things that you all do really well now? Okay, I get it. You know, we all get down on ourselves sometimes, but when they have those light bulb moments, oh, that's so awesome. You know, you're like, I was a part of that, yeah. Um, And then just because of the age of my kids, asking questions, um, defending their positions pretty well, um, just being skeptical. They're Mm -hmm. super skeptical so much. Sometimes I'm like, I've created monsters, but (laughs) (laughs) just watching that, you know, oh, well, I read this thing and huh, that doesn't sound quite right. Let's talk about it, mom or dad. I have this question, you know, they can spot like half truths or, Mm -hmm. um, I think they're really good at, uh, you know, seeing when somebody's trying to pull the wool over their eyes. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting because a lot of adults don't even understand that. <laughs> yes. It's, it's really a relief to see your children respond to the adult world with an appropriate level of skepticism. Yes. And um, I guess the other thing would be, uh, you know, I want to create lifelong learners. And sometimes, you know, oh, mom, I don't want to do this thing. You know, I get it. You know, we all don't want to do some things sometimes, but um, I hope and pray. And I think that I am creating an environment that will produce lifelong learners. And that's what I am. And I am way smarter at 49 years old than I was at 12 or 20 or 30. So mm-hmm. I want that for my children too, to just always um, want to learn. Yeah, I've 
uh, one of the ways that I have swallowed humble pie is to tell my kids how much better they were prepared for adult life in their early 20s than I was. That's an excellent point. Um, yeah, so I was just, brief tangent would be, I was kind of raised by Reagan Republicans, life in the 80s, free, wonderful, awesome, no political correctness where I grew up, just everything was hunky-dory. And then when I went away to college, when I took that time off and kind of evolved already at that point into like a wild, you know, feminist, atheist, socialist, that's how I explain myself. And then when I went to college at the University of Wisconsin, it's like, oh, they're telling me the truth. Oh my gosh, I've never heard this before. You know, I felt like I was part of a club that, mm -hmm. that like just had a beeline to truth because mm -hmm. I, my parents didn't really talk about that stuff, you know, and I was just right. all these things they were selling me, I, you know, swallowed it hook, line and sinker. And it's not only because I want my kids to be prepared for the world as Christians, as men, but also um, the world does not want children to have innocent childhoods anymore. Right. Um, so I want them to hear things from me first and that we can discuss. And I, I feel like they're better prepared at 12 and 13 <laughs> than I was at 23. I mean, I, the world ate me up and spit me out. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's one of the things too. And that may be common with, you know, people who have their kids in public school too. I mean, I guess smart parents have to do that. Oh, this is what you're gonna be learning today, Johnny. And it's gonna be insane. And this is why we as our family think it's not a good thing. But, you know, homeschooling, we have, um, you know, a real special privilege, you know, to, it's a blessing that we can really help form them to be strong humans, strong men, strong Christians, um, you know, confident before they go out into the world because the world's, you know, is even crazier now than it was two days ago, so. Yeah. So what questions would you say that you get asked the most or maybe have the most fun answering? The socialization one. Oh, are your kids socialized? I don't get that as much anymore because my kids, you know, are probably standing there and they don't seem like, you know, social rejects or whatever. And <laughs> like normal kids just being normal. Right. Uh, that and... um. I think one that hasn't been posed to me a lot, and really, I mean, I'm homeschooling in an era where everybody knows at least one person who homeschools. Mm -hmm. You're quite, you probably got a lot crazier questions than I got, but uh, it would be, um, don't you want them to learn different opinions, and don't you want them to, uh, you know, be exposed to diverse thoughts and whatever, that kind of thing, and I'm just like, well, we do all that, so okay. <laughs> Right. Uh, why do you why do you think that we don't talk about the things that they need to know about? Right. That's how you prepare them so they're not eaten up by the world like I was. Yeah. 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 I've had to tell you know. I won't say you know the homeschoolers that we hang out with are sheltered, but my kids have known about things for a lot longer than some of their peers. And that's been actually not a struggle, but you know, okay, um, John doesn't know about this thing over here. Y'all know, and you know, it's like, 
telling your kids, you, you know Santa Claus isn't real, you can't share it with people. And the same kind of thing, uh, you know, because you have to let each family unfold the way they want it to unfold. Right. But yeah. And some of it was, you know, you know, any kind of coming of age thing where when I thought like it was gonna be taught by somebody else through right. the media or games or uh, a neighborhood friend who was mm -hmm. maybe like to jibber jabber about something, right. you know, I would just be like, okay, well, I guess this is the time we're doing it. I really wanted to do it four years from now, but we're going to talk <laughs> about it now. So, right. Again, day by day. I mean, you can't prepare for these things. You just handle it when it happens. Yeah, it, to be aware of what's going on so that if you haven't covered something that's really important that you want to be in the thick of that, that you do that. I, I definitely have noticed the some friends want to wait to talk about some subjects longer than others. And more often than not, I have seen that backfire in very disappointing ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember there was, a, I don't remember who it was, it doesn't matter, but there was some point in which a family and something I was involved in didn't want their kids to learn about violence and war, but they wanted their kids studying history. And I'm like, that's not possible. You know, right. you just... and these were people who read the Bible and which is filled with violence. So I'm like, yeah, that was odd to me. But, you know, again, it's like reading the Bible and all these stories that have to be put in context and you explain to your kids what it is and oh why is this guy sleeping with his daughters and all this kind of stuff you know you just you just got to talk about it sometimes <laughs> yeah on different levels for different ages right. um, enough to let them know uh, what's at stake what's going on at a point where you can still protect enough of their innocence yeah. but make them wise enough for what their age needs to be yeah, and that's hard and that barometer is always changing mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's crazy out there with people wanting to you know take the childhood innocence away from kids but you just got to have your armor on nice and tight and face the battles as they come yeah and there's no better situation for doing that than for being in charge of your own family if you send your kids off somewhere then yeah, they're going to get exposed to all kinds of things. And not only are you not in control of it, but you're going to have a very limited idea of what that is. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are understanding because of the, the distance learning now in some school districts where, you know, they don't want parents watching what they're teaching. I mean, I think people are finally, finally understanding, wow, they may not want to teach your children your worldview. Shocker. You know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know why it took people so long, but yeah, it's, it's been a wake up call to a lot of people where they're like, I'm not supposed to be in the room when they're learning. What? Yeah. That's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. The only word I have for it. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add at this point? Uh, no, other than, um, I guess if you want to homeschool, just try it the worst thing you're going to do is have some time with your kids and that's always great if you can do better than zero percent which almost everybody who loves their kids can do you can do it and also um again i want to stress that you know if you have to work part-time you know the, the economy is all nutty now you know if your husband's the breadwinner and he loses their his job i mean you could just read good books and right. probably do fine 
you know, you're, you, you taught your kids how to use a fork and go to the bathroom. You would just teach these things as they come up in real life, you know, anything. Um, you know, you, you would teach your kid woodworking because your parent, you know, your, your husband knows a little carpentry or whatever. I guess my point is, I want to be an ambassador for everybody to be a homeschooler because I think everybody can do it who wants to do it. Um, and other than that, I would just say that uh, if anybody wants to go to Dissident Mama and read my stuff, uh, I've had 17 podcasts and um, uh, try to put out a few um, essays uh, every month. Sometimes they are about education. Um, but please come and visit me, and I'd love to um, hear all your thoughts if I ever write anything about um, homeschooling again, okay. which I'm sure I will. <laughs> Thank you very much, Rebecca. Thank you so much, Laura. That wraps up the interview for today. Don't forget to check out the Happy Homeschool store on the website, thehappyhomeschool.com, and you can find some mugs and shirts that would get your day off to a, a good start with a smile and also some very family-friendly read-aloud children's books. Thanks for listening. Make sure you have signed up for the Dangerously Helpful Homeschool Dispatch. When you do, you will receive my best 25 homeschool tips. Now go out there and have fun creating a fantastic homeschooling experience for you and your children.